Welcome to CropSense, presented by North Carolina Cooperative Extension. I'm Jacob Morgan, a field crops agent with North Carolina Cooperative Extension. Today, we have Dr. David Jordan, peanut specialist with NC State University. Good morning, Dr. Jordan. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. It's uh, good to talk to you, Jacob. Um, certainly, I'm a native of North Carolina. I grew up in the northeast part of the state, uh, which seems to be a long time ago now but on a farm that had um, row crops and some livestock and, and some peanuts. So I was around peanuts growing up and then I went to NC State and then went on for my PhD at Arkansas and then came back here after spending a little bit of time in rice country and started doing this job back in 1996. So that was uh, um, well over 20 years now. And uh, this is where I find myself uh, as the peanut specialist and I work in agronomy and weed science and work with Rick and Barbara historically on other pests and looking at um, some of those complicated interactions that we have. And there was a period of time in there when we were low on weed scientists here at NC State, and I helped work in a few crops for a short period of time there. So uh, certainly um, good to be at NC State and good to be focusing on peanuts these days. So today is June 7th, and we've had it started off wet, the growing season, then it got real dry, and now it's back wet again. So could you just give us an update on kind of the peanut planting progress, where we're at at this point in time? Uh, sure, yeah. So we, uh, we're probably, we probably have all the peanuts planted now that we're going to plant. I suspect some folks might have had to cut back on their acreage a little bit, or, you know, we, we might have a few that go in later. But we're probably about where we're going to be with our plantings. It was really dry early in the year and it's amazing how if you were two weeks ago how dry it was and then all of a sudden we started getting some rain which was really good and then we got a lot of rain which um honestly you you, you take what you get but that has created its own set of circumstances that we're having to deal with now and and certainly the forecast upcoming is for us to to um have a chance for rain pretty routinely i think um but yeah so we also had some major differences in temperatures. If you if you recall, we were um, had a, a, some cool time in there, and then we had some really hot days, and then about a week ago it cooled back down again. So really a roller coaster for folks that are planting peanuts and trying to get a good stand and, and get the crop moving with the extremes that we've seen. So do stands look pretty good across the state, or has that been an issue? And if it is an issue, how do we, is there anything you can do about it or we just kind of live with what we've got? Yeah, that's a great question. And I've had that question in the last week or so uh, from folks. So I think generally the stands are good. Most fields that I've ridden by look quite good there in general, but there are some places where peanuts were planted and some parts of the field, those peanuts came up and other parts they didn't. Of course, this rain has is probably going to help fill in some of those areas in the field. So at this point, June the 7th, we're probably stuck with what we've got. Hopefully folks have about three per foot. If you can get three plants per foot, I think you'll, you'll be in, good, in pretty good shape. You might have slightly lower yields, but um, if you start trying to replant or invest a lot of money now, your yields now are going to be, you know, 15% lower, you know, than what they would be in May, especially if, if it's next week's week before you can plant, that really pushes us back. So I'd say we're probably where we are in terms of uh, peanut stands, and we just need to have a 
a good growing season and take care of what we got. So I guess the next thing on the horizon is weed control. So dry weather is not real helpful as far as our residuals. It did, I think, keep some weeds from germinating, but now this rain, the weeds are coming. And so what what's the recommendations as far as weed control going forward? Yeah, that's a good point. If we If we look back at much of the month of May, some folks had enough moisture, a lot of folks did to plant to get the crop up, but they didn't have rainfall behind their pre-emergence treatment. So if folks had relied mostly on pre-treatments, which a lot of folks are, um, and not incorporating anything before they plant, they're going to have very poor control from their pre-emergence treatment. Some fields probably went three weeks or more without an activating rain in some, some places. So with the rains we're getting now, you'll get a little bit of control from those residuals, but not not a whole lot, um, and a lot of weeds will come up. And I think right now uh, we've had adequate more moisture for about a week. So I would say as we move into this coming week and certainly next week, folks are going to start looking at fields and looking really closely and and having to having to clean up a lot of fields. And what I would tell folks is to if you're within 30 days after the peanuts have come up, uh, an important option for you is Paraquat plus Bassagran plus some residual herbicide in there. And we've got a got a fleet of those that you could use. Um, dual, dual Magnum. There's some generics that are out there too. Uh, Warrant, Zidua, Anthem Flex, um, Outlook. So those are some of the residuals that it will help us out on our weeds. Um, so I would make sure I get some residual out there. If you're past that um, 28 days after emergence window, you need to shift into things like Storm, Cobra, Ultra Blazer. A lot of folks are still using some Cadre if you if you're not worried about rotation issues, and um, that can be a good tool, especially for weeds like sickle pod. Um, and then there's a lot of folks that will have sickle pod and pigweeds, and we know we've got ALS resistance in many of those fields, so there's it's not uncommon for folks to put um, Cadre and say Cobra or Cadre and Ultra Blazer together to get control. And and certainly there's going to be grass escapes and clethodin products work quite well. There's a, a lot of those that, that are available depending on who you're buying from that, that can do a good job on grasses. So the next two or three weeks, folks are, as soon as folks can get in fields, they're going to be trying to clean these peanut fields up and trying to get out there as timely as you can. And as quickly as you can uh, is important. It's a, it's amazing how in about 10 days or so, things have really shifted into um, wet fields and, and warm temperatures now when weeds are really going to take off. And the residuals that we put out are going to not not get us where we might want to be. So some places have gotten two, three, four inches and might get more. So if we're talking about delayed sprays getting into the field, do you think increasing rates is a good strategy? Some of those things tend to be kind of hot and may beat up the peanuts a fair amount. So what's the recommendation as far as increasing rates or just staying with with what we usually been doing yeah so that's a great question um historically folks have cut back on rates at times um other times they're you know it's kind of you got a couple of different kind of folks out there one one person if it's a pint's the recommendation they can think they can get by with a half a pint and then others that if you can put a pint out um they'll say well if a pint's good i'll go ahead and put two out (laughs) so you get that diversity but the key is to to look at the product label 
and use the recommended rate. Now, if the weeds are bigger and you have a range of rates on the label, I would encourage folks to, to use the higher end if the weeds are bigger, but you must stay within, within those uh, rate ranges. And what can happen is folks might be doing more tank mixtures, and that can certainly broaden control and in, increase the control on, on larger weeds so that the mixtures can help us there. Or some folks just might have to make sequential applications. So you you look at the weeds you have and you say, okay, here's the, the program I think that'll work best on what I have. Uh, Ten days or two weeks later, you might have to come back in and with another spray and just take a look at what the weeds are there and, and what's completely controlled and what is uh, has escaped and make another application. So the way it, I think, as I've thought about this spring, I think it takes about three or four sprays during the season to get adequate re- weed control in peanuts. And what our challenge is, is we've, we've sort of, in many ways, lost that first one because the, the residuals didn't get activated. So that money is not going to deliver what it historically does when we get activation, but the weeds are going to keep coming and we're probably going to have to have an extra post spray in there somewhere to, to get us where we need to be. Now, I will say the residuals that you put out with the contact herbicides now that I mentioned a while ago, those those can be really good and they can buy us more time and and maybe um, save us a bit. But again, uh, it's as with weeds, it's a, a case-by-case basis. Um, take a look at what you've got and, and try to be as timely as you can using the right rate. Can you touch a little bit on insects, threat pressure, maybe any other insects we need to be keeping an eye out for if we're out there scouting, looking at what kind of weeds we have? Yeah, that's that's a, another great question, um, Jacob. If you look at the dry weather we had earlier, early on, we were and continue to be worried about how much of the systemic insecticides that are put in fur were absorbed by the plant and uh, to give us good control. So we think we got behind a little bit on those that no, by nobody's fault. It's just when, when the plants aren't growing well, when they're slowly growing because of cool temperatures or the soils are dry, uh, those products don't always get into the plant as well as they need to, and they need to get in the plant and distributed throughout the plant. So when the thrips feed, they, they die from the insecticide. All that to say, uh, folks need to look close at the thrips damage and be prepared to use an acetate spray. There's a number of different formulations. Acetate is the actual insecticide in multiple formulations. There is one called acetate, but but you that active ingredient is what you're shooting for. And again, it's um, you'll know thrips damage. The, the leaves will be crinkled as they're coming out. The plants are usually a little slower growing off. So if you have some damage out there, you need to go ahead and make a spray. Our crop is not behind, but it, it sat there for a long time. So we need to make sure we don't have stresses on our crop as we move forward. And if you remember last year, we had some cool temperatures in late September. So if your crop wasn't well developed by the time we got to that date, it didn't really progress much after that. Now, we might have a, a long uh, a long summer that goes all the way into October this year, but, but who knows? So we want to really protect those the crops. So the thrips are something to look out for. Another thing would be... Uh, we A week ago or 10 days ago, we were really talking about spider mite because of the, the dry April and it had gotten dry in May as well. But this, this rain and the humidity has really probably worked well to, to beat some of those populations back or at least keep them down. So that was the other insect that we were thinking about. Now, if you, you think about June, the really the next insect that we might worry about would be southern corn rootworm. And we have maybe, you know, 30% of our field that have significant risk for that insect. 
if you look at our risk tool that we have. If you're under irrigation, you need to treat. If you've got finer textured soils that don't drain as well, you need to treat those. So take a look at our risk tool, and that will help you make a decision on applying core pyrophos or Lorsban or Pilot. Um, there's a couple of different formulations is what we have now. But those applications would go out later in June. But again, there's still plenty of time to look at our risk tool and make a decision on that. Um, if you know, we may have plenty of rain right now, but all of a sudden it could be a week from now it it um, the rain goes away and we have a a two or three week dry spell. I hope that doesn't happen, but it could. And then you would want to be careful about your insecticide applications for rootworms because they can um, induce a spider mite outbreak. So we got to be careful on that. <laughs> you know, so again, a case by case basis. But we we do have some good predictive tools to help you on knowing whether you've got a lot of risk in a field for for rootworms. So those rootworm applications will be going out later in June if we need them. Something else that typically goes out about that time is gypsum. So can you talk a little bit about the ideal gypsum timing and when you may have to start applying gypsum based on number of acres that you have to get across? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I do research on a station or three different stations, and I've got a lot of help to do that. And I can be pretty timely on things. Uh, because I don't have the acres to deal with. So I know growers get spread pretty thin. Weather complicates it. Uh, one thing that, that growers have started doing is putting out their gypsum or, or land plasters, we used to call it, on peanut early in June. And I know some folks put some out last week on significant acres. Um, so to be honest, those applications that are going out now are probably three weeks or more before the peanuts really need the the calcium. Um, so that so just to give you an idea, the when we when we start flowering a little bit later, you know, in June, you know, we'll flower for two months or more. I mean, even at at harvest, there'll be some probably some flowers in those those peanuts at that point in time. But if you look at June and into July, those are probably our peak times for flowering. And and from the flower, you know, about seven to ten days later, you're going to have a a peg that goes down in the soil, and you really don't need the calcium until that peg gets in the soil. So you know it's it's uh, we're we're a bit on the early side if we're putting things out now. That's one of those things from a logistics standpoint. You might be constricted in that way, but the, the biology or the what's going on in the field isn't really worried about our logistics. So if we put a lot of material out now and then get some of these big rains, we um, we probably have lost a significant amount of that. So I had a question from an agent um, over the weekend, and their question was, he was trying to head off some questions he thought he was going to get this week. Some folks had put out their gypsum in, in, in late May or right at early June, and then they got six or seven inches of rain after they put that out. And the question is, what, what do I need to do? And um, we talk about that in our production guide. We've got a a paragraph or two, but just in short, my and I don't have any really, really firm data to back this up. But if um, intuitively, if if I get five inches of rain, that's that's my threshold uh, in a relatively short period of time, and uh, that rain comes, you know, this time of year or comes a week or so before we really need it. I would encourage people to go back with a, a half rate. Again, that's spending somebody else's money. It's it's aggravating. It, it's costly. But I think one thing that could help us whenever possible is to to delay those applications until the latter part of June and get your logistics lined up 
if you can to make those applications and that buffers against those these big rains that we seem to be getting each year at some point that are that can really be disruptive and and move that calcium further below the pegging zone and remember the pegging zone is only a couple of inches right on top of the soil so that material can either be washed off the soil off of a bed or it can be washed down into the soil and um, if you don't have the calcium in the pegging zone and you need that calcium all the way into really into to August September you know for some of those those pegs that are coming on later in pods. So we got a long way to go where we have to have a high concentration in the pegging zone. And I'm I'm afraid we're pushing our, our, our luck on that a little bit. And I think there's some cases where we might run out of it as we get into to August and certainly into September at, at some critical times. Is there anything else you think that growers need to be looking out for, scouts need to be looking out for the next two or three weeks as far as the the peanut crop goes or anything else you think we need to be aware of or uh that yeah so there's i guess i would say the 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 key thing now is thrips and also weed control and the herbicides we use for weeds and and the asphate we use to control thrips those are in most of our cases those are compatible so you could put those out together now i would say if you've got a lot of thrips damage you're better off to to go ahead and take care of that and then cycle back around with your herbicides we don't want to when we get herbicide damage on top of thrips damage sometimes we can we can take a real yield hit peanuts are really tough they can take one of those or the other and and hang in there pretty well but uh, you get both on top of them especially with paraquat we can run into some issues we're we're getting on past the paraquat stage now though a lot of peanuts have been up for you know close to a month now a push in a month and um you know we might need to shift herbicides so I guess I'd say thrips, take a look at that, look at the weeds, match up your herbicides, be as timely as you can, get gearing up for your gypsum applications. But if if at all possible, if your logistics can let you do it, don't be too early on that. Think about southern corn rootworm, think about those fields you've got and where you're at risk and um, make those applications. Uh, Certainly, if you're into July, that's perfectly fine, but certainly by the you know, first week or so of July, you would want to have your gypsum out and your uh, chlorpyrifos out for, for rootworms. If we turn off dry later on in June, uh, think really hard about whether you need the chlorpyrifos because we don't want to flare those mites. And then, so the next big thing is when we move into July, we'll be uh, developing good fungicide programs. There's a lot of ways you can you can get to a clean field, but I'd say chlorothalonil, um, the, one of the prominent trade names is Bravo, but there are multiple formulations of that uh, our first sprays are usually a chlorothalonil spray so um, if you're struggling to figure out what to do with your fungicides uh, that first spray is a, is a is an easy one and then we move into a lot of different combinations that are available and, and you can use mixtures to protect from evolution of resistance and so forth uh, but again this is there's a lot to do in June and we can pick up on some of the disease control stuff as we move to July, but I, but it feels like July is going to be here before we know it. That's for sure. So we'll definitely have you back on to talk about the disease uh, complexes and how the best to go about controlling those or preventing them. So we appreciate your time today, Dr. Jordan. Okay. Okay. Well, um, good luck and uh, hope everybody's able to get stuff in completely and, and clean up the fields they need to. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And as always, Thanks for listening to CropSense, because if it isn't making money, it isn't making sense.